0: I'm thinking something like. Today is just a um, it's a rodeo for you. I love it. I don't know why. How do you feel? Good, but not any gooder than any other day. <laughs>
1: Gooder. I like gooder. It's good work. I feel gooder. <laughs> um I am enjo- really enjoying my life.
0: <laughs> Aww. Like even
1: though it's tired and hard and I feel the cloud of grief lifting a little bit. Like I'm almost to that earmark. And I but I let myself ride it a lot. And that I, I don't know,
0: feels good. Are you talking about your dad? Mm.
1: mm. Yeah. It's about to be at the year mark.
0: Oh, the year. I thought you said year mark. Okay. Year mm. mark.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Yep. So you feel like you said you're riding the grief more? Riding
1: the waves of it? <clears throat> yeah. Because mm. I'm just, I don't know. I, I felt like I was either in it mm-hmm. <laughs> or it was like nothing to where I was like, is it gone? It can't be gone yet. It's not, but it was like, feel nothing or feel at all. And then now it just ride the wave of it, and feeling it just feels honoring hmm. so it feels better, even though it's sad feels better than it did before.
0: That's great,
1: yeah, and I just feel like a lot of flow happening in things, so it's just exciting. That's wonderful.
0: yeah thanks. did you know that was coming as a therapist? You're like, eventually I'm gonna feel this
1: um. Flow kind of. I mean, I think it's come with my own personal growth stuff too, but you know, when things go sideways, I know it's like I'd experienced enough of it to know like, yeah, I'm, I know the the I know the things to do to move through it and that, that takes time and so that helps mm. see the an out, I guess, and it not feel so devastating. Yeah. But I feel like I'm like to play I just I'm not triggered by stuff anymore. And that's fun.
0: <laughs> like like uh, specifically
1: about your dad, you mean? <clears throat> like everything. Like, I mean, yeah, I might get triggered by it, like, <sighs> mm-hmm. you know, but I've just noticed stuff really quick, and I just move through it, and it feels like a really good place because <laughs> before it would take a lot of energy to sit with, fight your thoughts on things. And I just I think that's happening less now. So, what do you attribute that to? A lot of work. <laughs> Mm. Like I ran into my ex at the coffee shop. Like he goes to the one right by my house and every once in a while I've ran into him and I ran into him yesterday and he came over and said, hi, we caught up. He told me some things Had positive had happened for him. And I was like, when I left, I was like, I really feel happy for him. Wow. Like that he, I knew, you know, he had some good things. I knew what he told me. I was like, I know that's really meaningful to him. And I'm like, I'm really happy for him, and I'm really happy for myself <laughs> that I'm not like that. Didn't phase me. Felt nice, dude. Yeah, that so. is cool. <laughs> yeah, but it's been a, this year's been the worst and the best year, I think,
0: because of pain and growth.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, simultaneously, very weird. Um. Yeah, but yeah. it's.
0: You know what's so interesting? I want to be honest with you about something. (laughs) I know you're gonna be like, "What? Bring it on!" (laughs) But when I, like, getting to know you and hanging Mm -hmm. out with you, I was like, "Wow, therapists have struggles too." (laughs) 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 Yes, we do. (laughs) Like shocked. It shocked me that we're human. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like that thing when you see your elementary teacher at the grocery store and you're like, what are you doing here? Yeah. You don't eat and shop. You teach, you know, <laughs> you're like, yeah. I know you in one, like, I mean, I understand that's like boxing you in as like, you're just mm-hmm. a therapist and you handle, I guess I was like, you know, all the tools. So you probably handle all your own problems so well that you never <laughs> suffer. That is definitely not the case. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> I mean it gets easier to handle your stuff, but I wouldn't say you always handle it well. You're <laughs> no, like Not at all. And I know lots of therapists they don't do not handle it well.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Not well at all. Yeah, we're human. Mm.
1: Therapists I wouldn't go to a therapist that hadn't done their own work. It's hard enough when you, when you have done your own work.
0: Yeah. But I definitely wouldn't. Yeah. That like that blows my mind even more. I don't know. That's so like cuz you said you got in you didn't always want to be a therapist. Right? Not always.
1: It started out as a school teacher when I was like in kindergarten because I was like,
0: I want to tell everybody
1: what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, that's not that fun. and so <laughs> Art didn't seem fun anymore. And then I was, I wanted, I loved Ellen DeGeneres. Really? And I, that's why I was like, I want to be a comedian. And then I realized you had to like be good at it and write like write it, it like it was a job instead of just sitting around being funny all the time for fun. And so I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that.
0: Mm. Did yeah. you go into it a little bit?
1: Comedy? Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, no.
0: Like what was the when was the realization just like in your head, you were like, oh, this is going to take Yeah,
1: I I think I've realized how internal in my head I always was. <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean? I thought I was just like this overly emotional child. And then I talked to my mom recently and she let me just ask her a bunch of questions. And I was like, well, did I have like behavioral problems when I was little? (laughs) And she's like, no, you're just always fine. And I was like, but what did I do when I got upset? She's like, you just went to your room. (laughs) And I was like, oh. And then I just started thinking and processing some stuff and memories and stuff came up. And I was like. I was always by myself feeling stuff, um, very internal. What did you think
0: you— I thought it was just
1: outwardly and that I was perceived as the emotional person, the emotional child. But I always wanted to talk about things so I could talk a lot.
0: And they didn't want to talk?
1: I mean, we had family meetings when it was needed.
0: Who decided that it was needed? Our parents. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> but I mm. I remember one time, someone like somebody in my family was like, "Why do you always want to talk about everything?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh, so." But yeah, so I think I w- it was always in my head. I'm very funny in my head,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not out <that> loud. <laughs> <laughs> so you 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 were like, "No, no, thank <laughs> you to the comedy." <laughs> How did you get to therapy?
1: Um. <laughs> <laughs> I um, <laughs> therapy. My parents, that is what you do. <laughs> yeah, I had to think about it for a second. No, I went to college and was human development, family studies. I was mm-hmm. literally trying to figure out something to do with no guidance, and was like, "What requires no math?" <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yes. And I was
1: like, "I like people." And then human development was like, "You study everything about humans from birth to death," and I was like. That sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: is all of people.
1: Yeah. And so my first thing was child life specialist. I wanted to be the person that plays with the kids in the hospital. What? Yeah. Um, and I took one class that was around marriage and family therapy and my parents got divorced when I was in college. And so I was like, that's it. I'm going to help all the couples stay together and all the kids that, that have to go through that. And I don't work with any of that now. Um, But so then it was seven years after I got, after I graduated from undergrad that I went back to grad school. So I was married. When you. When I went back to grad school and I was getting divorced when I was graduating.
0: Oh my God, (laughs) dude. Sometimes the world is just like shaking shit up. You know what I'm saying?
1: It's a common thing they tell you. They're like, your relationships will dramatically change and maybe end after you're going through the program.
0: After going through what? Therapy. Therapy program. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have two questions, but I want to touch (laughs) on that. Do you think that you going through the therapy program led to you getting, not led to you getting a divorce, but like was kind of a a rolling rock towards Mm it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Mm -hmm. How? Um, When you become healthy, it's hard for you to stay in unhealth.
0: Oof, oof, oof.
1: And you can't make anybody do that.
0: Was that scary when you started to see like, oh, no, I'm on, I'm in an unhealthy relationship? hmm hmm Did you fight it?
1: Mm-hmm. I'm a six on the Enneagram, which is the loyalist. Um. So you give, you know, chance after chance after chance and try to make it work. Mm. So, yeah, I, I was in it too long, but I should have seen on the front end that it wasn't Looking back, you know, that it wasn't the right fit. Wow. It was a high school sweetheart.
0: Oh. hmm Damn, so you've been yeah. repping for him for a while. Ten years. Wow. <laughs> yeah, on and off, which should have
1: been a sign there, too. But, mm. yeah, and so I was, the more I became aware of things, I was like, I can't. It was making me more miserable mm-hmm. by seeing it and not being able to do anything different. That's so, a
0: big step.
1: Mm-hmm. I remember sitting down. I remember the moment it was over mm-hmm. when I knew it was over. And then I remember when kind of he knew, I think, because I asked, I said, if you felt this way, if you were going to feel this way in relationship for the next 50 years, what does that feel like? And we were just sitting on the couch and he was like, that, that feels anxious. Oh, man. I was like, yeah, Me too. Man, yeah,
0: you guys were just having a, a conversation or like a fight, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, <clears throat> we didn't really, I mean, I, there were arguments, of course, but yeah i was I was more anxiously attached and very vocal talking about things, and he was more avoidant and very quiet, um so there's a lot that was the kind of the dynamic, but yeah, we both were just like
0: kind of defeated about it, wow, yeah, and then how long after that did it take to like be? Physically apart.
1: So our anniversary was coming, and of course things were like really not that great, and um, you could tell like, and we had to be out of the apartment we were living in, and like the next month, and we um, we just I think we were waiting on our anniversary to pass Mm -hmm. because then we had like a conversation like that weekend, of of getting divorced. Wow. Yeah, because we hadn't. We were like. I know we got to move out of here. And neither one of us was like saying what we were going to be doing.
0: (laughs) So what did, I mean, like, did you just stay together until, or like physically together until the lease was up? Like you lived together? It all happened
1: simultaneously. It was like anniversary in February and our our lease was up in April or something like that.
0: Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. I want to go back a little bit when you said, (laughs) oh my gosh, you, (laughs) you said that you, <clears throat> went into, like, child studies or, like, divorce marriage mm-hmm. counseling yeah, because you wanted every couple to stay together <laughs> yes, and children to be okay. Yeah. That is such a big responsibility. Yeah, and that's not how it works. I learned <laughs> that really quickly.
1: <laughs> As an intern, I'm like, oh, the goal's not always <laughs> to get them to work it out. That's not always mm-hmm. the best.
0: So, so you really went in thinking, I'm going to, like, I'm going to save every marriage.
1: (laughs) I mean, not every, but yeah, that's what was going to be my life goal with this whole thing. Wow. Yeah. Was to prevent that. When my parents brought us in for a family meeting to tell us they were getting divorced, I came in with my Bible. (laughs) I was like, God says, and quoting verses to them. You knew it was coming? My sister called me and told me. I was a freshman in college.
0: She's like, grab the Bible.
1: No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I was the only kind of christian person at that time in my family. They
0: weren't, you weren't, they weren't Christian? They were
1: Christians, but didn't really go to church or anything. Okay. I would, I was going to church in high school. Um, okay. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. And I, I was a Christian too, so I know that like warrior mindset. All Christians have that, mm-hmm. especially young ones. It's like, mm-hmm. go out there and
1: save everybody, yeah. you know? I was like a brand new Christian at that point, too.
0: Oh. I was on fire. So they had you riled up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so yep. you're going in there thinking like. I'm going to talk him out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And what, what, what it was It didn't that work. Like? Okay. <laughs> 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 right. Right. What was that experience like? Did you What was that experience like sitting at a family meeting? Like, did you? Yeah, what was that like? Well, it was heartbreaking. But I remember, um, I
1: think it was my dad saying, "You know, if I say black, she says white, mm-hmm. and vice versa, and that they just didn't have anything in common." And I was like, "Y'all didn't even try." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they're like, "We did." And and I got mad and left and probably went to my room. So I, I was more mad at that point.
0: Yeah. And then you, so you were a marriage, like going into marriage counseling still when you were getting divorced, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist is wow. my like licensure. And so, yeah, when I graduated, that's what I was working with.
0: Specifically still divorce? Um was I divorced? Oh, no. Were you working with divorced couples when you were...
1: Just couples needing to work on their marriage. Okay. And I was doing some premarital, but yeah.
0: Was that... Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you feel when you were getting divorced and working with couples? Did that make you feel any kind Ooh, of Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, that's a good question. I, um, I was judging myself. Mm. I was scared to not wear my engagement ring in session because I didn't want clients. I'm like, you know, I'm new anyway. And I'm like how are couples going to have confidence that I can help them if I can't keep my own, make my own work kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, so I remember being scared to let clients know or to not have my ring on that that would create questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, took a chance and did it, and it just helped that I could resonate with their story more by going through my own process with it and they felt like I understood their struggles more knowing I'd gone through it. So it was it was a nice um lesson.
0: Wow. <laughs> and
1: that being authentic in your story as a therapist and personally can be used in the room.
0: That's amazing. hmm Do you remember yeah. the day that you were like, all right, I'm gonna go without the ring. hmm What made you decide to go without the ring that day?
1: Just tired. That was a lot of energy um, mentally to fight with that internally. I was like, I just can't do that.
0: Mm. So good for you, man. Yeah. Stuff always works out, doesn't it? I it mean, does no matter how much you try to hang on, <laughs> <laughs> the hanging on
1: is what makes it the problem. <laughs> you just yeah. let shit go and go with it. It's fun. Mm. Yeah.
0: But I, but that's nice that like that, that experience that you had so long of hanging on to that ring mm-hmm. is still good mm-hmm. you know like because I feel like sometimes it can seem like oh I wasted a lot of time being scared oh, yeah. you know mm-hmm. but that's part of yeah. the beautiful story that you have of like mm-hmm. I was scared and then I wasn't mm-hmm. and this came out of it
1: yeah I think the the struggle's always where the the lessons are unfortunately mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes like I'll, I'll get it if you just want to give me the lesson I'll I'll listen.
0: Exactly. <laughs> you don't have to put me through all that. Exactly. <laughs> that's what I was talking about in that Kevin episode. I'm like, why do mm-hmm. we have to do the hard stuff? Yeah. <laughs> okay. It helps though. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Part of the human experience.
1: Yeah. I think whenever, I mean, I never wished that kind of stuff on anybody or myself, but whenever I have stuff like that happen, I'm like, there's a part of me that's like, Okay, with the learns and stuff. What is this, and with a little bit of excitement? Yeah, yeah. Stuff I always is say like art. Well, I think in life it's a constant expanding and contracting, mm. and that creates movement mm. and growth. Right, so just like the tree. I love nature. Mm-hmm. Like like in winter, we have to go dormant, shed things that allows for all the, the awesome stuff that happens in the brain, And I think we're the same. So when all that stuff and I'm trying to shake all that shit off, it's, um, uh, it feels exciting. Cause I know good stuff is coming. It's great.
0: <laughs> I also love when you're saying expanding and contracting. Cause that reminds mm-hmm. me of breathing. And that's like mm-hmm.
1: the
0: number one thing of lo- that's living
1: constant renewal. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. No, Hell I'm yeah. Like I'm going to flip this table. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you, after, like, um, you were still a marriage counselor, Mm -hmm. when did you, but you're not now.
1: I mean, that's still my licensure, but I use it in a way that's not with couples or children. Okay, so
0: how did that change, and how, how, yeah.
1: As an intern, I just got a lot of trauma cases, and it was fun, and so I got trained in EMDR. Okay, no,
0: that is a calling I feel like very rarely people are like I was talking to them about trauma and I was having a blast, <laughs>
1: <laughs> like this. Uh, I, I guess I don't know. It's it's it didn't take me by surprise, and it was you see lots of movement with that. With what? When there's a lot of trauma, you can when someone's really trying to dig into their stuff. Life-changing stuff happens. Like, people's lives change, and to be in the middle of that with someone is, like, really cool. And it—I don't know.
0: That's amazing. This is neat. (laughs) So as an intern, what kind of, like—they give you pretty heavy stuff? Mm -hmm. Wow. You
1: kind of—you get all of it. I mean, you can say, I prefer this, and I Mm -hmm. like this, and this is what I'm interested in. But for me, I was like, give me anything— I want to explore it and see what I actually like doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was that. And I was like, I don't know what to do with this, though. It's really cool, but I'm not sure what to do. And so um, EMDR was like on its way up to its, you know, well-known status that it is now and got trained in it. And I was like, holy shit, <laughs> like this really is good. And then I got it got to a point where I was like, if I didn't have a EMDR, I would know what to do with clients. And that felt scary for me, um, to be reliant on something like that and to not real. So that pushed me more to understand like what's happening in the body, um, and really start paying attention. Like what is this thing happening and how do I deal with it? And, um, noticing energy in the room. And that's what I brought in animal assisted therapy, um, body movement, somatic work. Um, and, and then that just, the more I start learning about the nervous system and the cells in the body and how trauma works, um, that's where, like, when I was in grad school, trauma wasn't like an it word like it is now. Mm. Um, the words holistic and ing- integrative, um, none of that was really in conversation. And so I've gotten to, like, be learning it as all those things, like, came into the forefront of the field. Um, but I got to really see what I remember like when it all clicked together and I realized like uh, the holistic perspective and what was going on with that and what that really meant. Because a lot of times we hear the word holistic and we think, you know, like woo woo Mm -hmm. Um, stuff that's, you know, not research based. Um, But it was like, oh, a whole system. It's like a whole person. And there's so much that's intertwined, and that's where chronic pain and chronic illness became a specialty. Um, The more I saw what was happening as trauma started getting resolved, so you know, that's kind of how I wind it around. And then now I'm just a trauma therapist. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So before, before, and I, uh, before EDMR came about, EMDR. EDMR. Before EDM. (laughs) (laughs) People call it that all the time.
1: (laughs) What was it? EMDR. I want to say EDM so bad. Okay. Eye movement desensitization reprocessing.
0: EMDR. Mm -hmm. Okay. Before that came about, you, because you said EDMR, really, you you were like, I know, I have to slow (laughs) it down or I'm going to say EDM. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. EMDR. Yes. Oh, Good job. I said EDM. I just realized that's why you were laughing. Okay. I was like, did I not say it? Okay. Good job. Maybe I need EMDR. Is it EMDR? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good job. Thank you. You're welcome. Before EMDR came about, <laughs> you, or when it came, you were like, oh man, this changes everything. And then you like latched on, mm-hmm. right? Mm hmm. But you were doing trauma therapy before it came about. I was working with trauma. Mm. I was
1: not trained in a special modality for trauma.
0: So you were just kind of like. There's
1: no trauma classes in grad school. There may be now, but I still hear there's not, there might be very small amounts of it. So it's not like you're a trained trauma therapist when you graduate.
0: That's insane. They just put you in a room with somebody who's saying very scary, hard things and you just kind of feel it out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess as humans, that's what we do. If you don't go to therapy and someone tells you something hard, you feel it out. But like that's Mm -hmm. as a therapist, as someone who's someone's looking to you to like guide them through something. Mm -hmm. That's very scary.
1: Well, I think it's scary, but you got to think we've, one therapist always have a reason of why they're doing it. They have their own story, mm. depending on if they've worked through it or not. But they've also been in school for two and a half, three years, um, to where they've they've like gotten to learn everything they can up to that point. So they're they they're looking forward to it by that point of like I want to see how all this plays out now. Okay. And so, yeah, I mean, there's there's some things like that therapists that are not the exciting things that a lot of therapists may not want to work with. But there's, you know, and trauma is is that, but mm. we all have it. And mm-hmm. so you just get to play around and see how it all works when you're an intern. Okay. That's why you pay less money for interns. Because
0: <laughs> they, oh. they have a
1: really great fresh perspective because they don't have the history. I mean, I've got 12 years of client stories that come are in the room with me when a mm. new person tells me their story. So I have to balance that of like, I can't let what I know and maybe have seen is not going to necessarily apply here, right? Interns and new therapists don't have that and they're super excited and they're not burned out.
0: Wow. That's a good. <laughs> so yeah. It's a good
1: um it's really fun to work with interns.
0: That's yeah. a great that's a great perspective mm-hmm. on that. I love that. Yeah. Can you tell everybody listening yeah. what EMDR is because I I, I don't think everybody knows.
1: Yeah. EMDR is um, Eye Movement Desensitization Reprocessing. It's a trauma-based therapy mm-hmm. that lets you access trauma in the brain. Um, it uses eye movements and sometimes hand tappers or tones like in the headphones. And But it's a way to access trauma in the nervous system.
0: So it's um, if you were to do it in a session, you would just like think about something that happened to you?
1: Yeah, it pairs it with a, um, like an an event. So you you do a trauma history. It pairs it with a a negative event um, and you pair it with a negative cognition that goes along with that event. Um, And then you're able to, you're able to kind of access it in the brain when you kind of call it in and pair those things together. And then you use, it's called bilateral movement. Or bilateral stimulation through music going back and forth or tones going back and forth in headphones or things vibrating back and forth in your hands. Um, so what are you pairing together? So a negative event in the past okay, a trauma event. And then the negative belief that oh, was attached to that. Got you. And then you process it bilaterally and it releases the trauma. That's the pro- trauma What process. does it
0: mean to process it bilaterally? You just think about it while...
1: Well, you're... you're Kind of, yeah. It's people kind of have described it as like they kind of are watching scenes like mm. go, like kind of pass in front of them, like on a movie screen. Okay. Um. So you're you're kind of you're making connections of the story and meaning making out of your trauma, and so if you're using an EMDR setup, you're gonna if the event created I'm not lovable, mm-hmm. you're gonna process and you're rating how true those things feel. Um. And it's like what do you want to believe about yourself instead? I want to believe that I'm lovable. And so through the processing of you meaning making of your own story, the client gets to where they are rating. That is a very true statement that they're lovable. Mm-hmm. Where maybe it started out as not believable at all. <clears throat>
0: so that's awesome. That's kind
1: of how EMDR approaches um, doing that.
0: That's awesome. Mm-hmm.
1: And then you moved
0: away from that.
1: I did move away from it. I got trained in brain spotting. <laughs> and that's like my... Um, My jam is got trained in that because I got stuck with a client doing EMDR Mm. and a friend of mine that was trained in brain spotting. I was like, will you let her come in and do a session with you? And she did it. And I was like, she just moved right through it. I was like, okay, I'm going to go get trained in this. And so told all my clients, you know, I was mainly doing EMDR with all of them, um, I was like, You're I'm like we're f- switching this up. I was up. like, I'm gonna go get trained in this, and we're gonna try it, and then you pick. And they all wanted to keep doing brain spotting.
0: Okay, tell us what <laughs> brain spotting is. I know everybody listening is like, I want it already. Yeah.
1: Well, it was. It's a brain-based therapy, like EMDR. Um, main like you can work through trauma with it. Um, it's gonna access it in a different way. So it's it's a fixed opposition instead of a back and forth opposition. Okay. Um, but it's a very attunement based. Therapy, um, the client is the lead in it, so it's not as structured as EMDR. But to me, it feels like a like a more structured form of like energy work, almost working with the client. Um, just because you can, you can just attune and connect with them and their story when they're processing. But it's kind of these things live in our midbrain. That's very unconscious. The trauma part.
0: Okay. We live
1: in our front brain, which is that ego always commenting about things. Um, so we're able to. With brain spotting and and really why the eyes are important in both of these kind of therapies, um, we have optic nerves that run. our eyes are the first thing formed off of our brain when we're being formed. So these optic nerves, we have one that comes in and it like breaks this information down and lets us go into the midbrain. So that's why like the tagline for brain spotting is where you look affects how you feel. So like if someone's telling a story, have you ever noticed they like might keep looking at a certain spot?
0: Mm-hmm. Like when they're trying to remember something, yeah.
1: yeah. So they're um, they're accessing information in the brain. Whoa! Just we've got brain spots everywhere. Um, so it's
0: um, wait. Are there are there eyes? Not kind of like searching for the memory that's in the midbrain. Um, not searching for it, but because like in the, like how
1: EMDR is like wants you to recall a, a an event in the past and mm-hmm. pair it with that. Um, brain spotting is more of like what do you feel? It could be a thought. It could be a sensation, but it's what do you feel and where do you feel in your body? So it's a constant like somatic internal experience. When
0: you think about an event that happened?
1: Yeah, just like Mm. when you think about something you're like, oh, you know, Mm -hmm. I've had clients, sometimes they make more noises or body things. And so I don't have to have words for it. That's, they're already in their nervous system feeling it. So I might be like, Can we go into that? Mm. Where do you feel that?
0: Ugh. You doing that is making me do that. Yeah. You
1: see how you feel it? Yeah. And so once you're in the nervous system, go with it. Like, I'm there. Like, I don't have to, you don't have to talk at all to me. Mm. We can process. So it's really, it's a more playful therapy for me, the brain spotting. It's a lot more loosey-goosey.
0: Yeah. um, Instead of, like, trying to, like get to something of like i'm lovable i'm lovable it's like let's just sit in that emotion that just came up for a minute and like
1: well i'm gonna say what does it feel like <clears> to <throat> not feel loved
0: you- oh, gosh so where do you notice and that? you have clients at like 8 a.m we were doing this not that early <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> not anymore okay <laughs> the longer you do it the later you can start <laughs> i'm like oh this is a lot for an early monday yeah. you know um
1: but yeah um so yeah, I started doing that because it, it just feels um I I was mentioned earlier, EMDR is very structured mm-hmm. and is taught follow the process and the client will heal. Brain spotting is kind of the opposite. It's like it's a tool to use with the therapist that you already are and what you know to do. And it's follow the client's lead. It's not a it's not a process and if if Anything goes. Mm. And yeah, so it, it teaches, it taught me how much I get in the way as a therapist. Like Wow. Because talk therapy, talk therapy is so great and needed for certain things. But as far as a trauma modality, if you talk and I ask you questions, one, I'm asking for me to know, it doesn't necessarily help you know, but you're always having to stay in your front brain and mm. trauma is in a different part of the brain.
0: So... It's That makes so much sense, dude. It's mm-hmm. like trying to talk out a situation to heal it is mm-hmm. a f- rare, I feel like, you know? Yeah. You can I, talk to your blue in the face about something, really.
1: Yeah. And I, I get clients, they're like, I am i can't talk about this anymore. Mm. I need something different. I was like, I get that. Wow. Yeah.
0: Okay. I want to talk about, <laughs> okay.
1: I know we're, um, we can wind all over the place here.
0: No, I, I know. You're amazing. <laughs> You're so cool. Okay. You so are, are you? so cool. I love, um, I love you. I love you. I love you. Oh god! You didn't like that. That okay. was too much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How did it feel in your body when I did that?
1: Warm, <laughs> moist. Don't don't say no. that.
0: <laughs> keep it. Keep it. Um, you. Mm-hmm love drugs oh, i do love drugs yeah
1: mm-hmm. i love
0: that you put it that way you were a christian for a while not that christians can't love drugs huh? <laughs> lots of christians <laughs> love drugs trust okay. me <laughs> trust. like more than most honestly Trust. Yeah. i guess let me let me not uh start there let me let me just say <laughs> how did you get into loving drugs so much <laughs>
1: okay so let's let's clarify i work with psychedelics yes so um i i used to be so against it and was like this is just people are using this as an excuse to take drugs we can do that stuff with trauma therapy we don't need that
0: when when did you feel that way oh
1: that was probably like four or five years ago
0: Mm. when (laughs) what was going on in your life four or five years ago you were
1: i was still just a christian and had more of a Closed mindset. Mm, okay, yeah, um, and there were probably a part of me that was like, "I'm a trauma therapist. Quit mm. trying to encroach on this. Like, we we know how to do this. Don't bring that in." Interesting. Um, and just was naive and uneducated. Um, so I started. I dated someone that like did it, and I was like, "Just don't do it around me." <laughs> oh, um, and. But then the more conversations we had, I read Michael Pollan's book, um, yes. How to Change Your Mind, That's cool. and was like, oh, shit, this is something to pay attention to, just kind of like with brain spotting, too. I was like, oh, didn't know I could do this, um, and started reading more, and then I started dating someone who um, I did psychedelics with for the very first time. Wow. Um, and I think in that context, it was I, it created a lot of safety mm-hmm. for me. I think it was a big purpose and reason why we dated was i got introduced to that in a safe way and it was a very intentional way and i healed a lot of trauma doing it wow um what a freaking yeah. turnaround dude yeah <laughs> for sure um and just because of my own experience with it i was like oh and that that's when the the upswing of getting all these trainings were were coming out with maps and that sort of thing um so i decided to get trained in it. Cause I saw what it did for me. And then when I started really understanding how that could be used in what I was already doing, I was like, wow, that's just it with everything. Like when I got trained in EMDR or brain spotting, it was always like, these are tools that can do things I can't do as a therapist. Wow, And it like took it up a notch every time. And then psychedelics was like, wow, this, this goes like I brain spot with psychedelics, like a, I combine them, but it, uh, um, it just does something that I can't do that some of the tools I use can't do. Mm. Um, and then, so I started getting training in it and now I do it. Training and using
0: it for therapy. And
1: yes. So I've never done psychedelics outside of a therapeutic like container. Oh wow. So I've never done it like recreationally. Well, I guess cannabis Okay. You know, I have, but um, not any of the bigger ones. So yeah.
0: I'm interested in, cause I trust you completely. And mm-hmm. yeah. And um, I'm excited to like experience that with you. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some, I don't know if skepticism is the word that I'm feeling, mm-hmm. maybe curiosity. Cause I'm just like, when I've taken acid before and. <laughs> We're on it now. (laughs) All right. (laughs) And I felt like healed in a way. I mean, I never take it I've never taken drugs in a therapy setting. It's always just been recreational. Completely different. Okay. Yeah. How?
1: Um, it's the idea of set and setting, have you heard that? It's the the mindset and then the setting that you are in. So think about if you – the way I'll describe it to clients sometimes is if you – think if you're – you go out for the night and you're in a club and having drinks with your friends and the outfit you have on and you got ready and you're feeling yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That kind of energy and experience of drinking a drink is going to feel different if you're drinking drinks versus you've had a long day or a long week and you just – have a friend over and you guys just kind of sit down to have drinks and just hang out together. You're going to experience the same drink, but differently.
0: Wow. That's a great description. And
1: so plus the the amount that you're using, these are therapeutic doses. So they're normally higher than a recreational dose.
0: Whoa. What?
1: Um, Yeah. So like you think MDMA, you're like, yeah, you know, in a club, and you're laying DMR. down. With the- <laughs> yes, and that's <laughs> so. Funny. Um, but yeah, so it's you're laying down with an eye mask on, <laughs> and, and wow. listening to music, and, and and not club music, like very like peaceful
0: music. I feel like I'm about to cry already. Go for it, because because oh. <laughs> that's like. Uh, Molly, I've done it recreationally, and mm-hmm. that's a very, like, feel You want massages and, like, lovey drug. It's like a love drug.
1: Imagine turning that in towards yourself. Right. That's how it's used. It's always an internal
0: experience. I want to do that right now. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go right now.
1: <laughs> Bye,
0: guys. <laughs> yeah. See ya. Wow. Mm-hmm. Next episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be freaking dope. hmm hey, what is the first um uh drug that you took with your partner? Mm-hmm. And, and like can you tell me about that experience where you were like, "Okay, I want to do this mm-hmm. for other people?"
1: <clears throat> um it was psilocybin. And
0: What is that? Mushrooms. Oh, okay. Magic mushrooms. Oh, yeah. okay.
1: Um so yeah, I, it was that and was the question kind of how did that experiencing it that way lead to me wanting to yeah, to you being
0: it. like, this is, we got to do this more.
1: Yeah, I had, um, I mean, I feel like each time there were things that it, because the idea of doing this therapeutically, um, some may not be familiar with like using this in a therapeutic way, um, is to set intentions, ex, you know, what What do I want to explore mm-hmm. within myself? And so the idea is like, you're going into your subconscious, right? And looking at what does it want to show you and then how do you interact with it? I always I say you're going down and scooping up wisdom and then the integration is where the, the magic really happens. Is like what do we would we just go dig up and pull back of this wisdom and what do we do with it now? Like how do we make this a part of who we are and the life that we're living?
0: That's after you come down from the mm-hmm. high. Oh, yeah.
1: nice, mm-hmm. nice. So that's when I I normally am brain spotting with people. Wow. Because your nervous system's really juicy for rewiring for about forty eight hours, and so before they come take their mask off, I have them start talking to me, wow. um, telling me things that came up, and I'm taking notes and things like that. But then, um, then they'll they'll sit up and do a brain spotting with them with stuff that came up. So it's wow. really neat. so you can really the idea around like psychedelics and why this stuff helps us go into our subconscious to look at some of the stuff is because it's that the ego is like all the voices and thoughts that are commenting on things. It turns that down. Mm. So it's that it's called the default mode network. It turns that down. So you get access to your trauma without all of the, the messaging around the fearfulness of it.
0: Wow. wow and so you wow. can
1: engage with it and, and, and deal with it in a way that sometimes you're Your conscious brain wouldn't let you do.
0: And have you seen... I love that so much. Mm -hmm. Have you seen um, people, like, integrate their wisdom digging for a long time? Like, have you seen it... How am I... What am I trying to say? Have you seen it integrated, that wisdom in clients? Mm -hmm. Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think... In the prep work, I always do one brain spotting session with them because I feel like it's a version, of very light psychedelic experience.
0: Wow! Because it's,
1: you know, when you look at defining psychedelic experience, it's is it you know a, a personal, meaningful experience that that is feels life changing,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: And so, brain spotting is it gives the client. Um, so I, I include it in prep work as well because it gives you like a, a like a real experience of going within. And sitting with some difficult material. And so because you're bypassing the front brain where all of the ego mm-hmm. commenting is, when when we can sink into the nervous system to process, that's why they're able to use these very specific trauma modalities that allow for that. So I let them practice with that first um, so they understand it. But then on the back end, you know, whatever they just came up with, um, we process. Like I had a session today um, and a client felt um, peace. For the first time, like within them, and I was like, where in your body? And they were able to identify it. And I was like, let's find a spot where that starts to feel bigger. And then we sit on it and let them process with it. And they don't have to really say much out loud, but you can tell just they're processing. Wow. Um, so, you, yeah, you can use it not just to process hard things, but to really integrate and wire in. The good. Yeah. yeah, well, the you that's always been there—that you remembered. Psychedelics let you remember and connect to again.
0: I love the you that's always been there. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really neat to see. That's why I like doing it so much. That's yeah. a, do you? I mean, that's like that can change the world. Seriously. Yeah, that's what we're hoping. <laughs> I would almost become obsessed. Like we got to get this out there, kind of like um.
1: We are. That's um, so. I guess I've never really publicly talked about this. So now might be the oh, time the to tea, do. The it. Tea. Yeah. Um so I like co-created a psychedelic church with another trauma therapist. <laughs> Let's go <laughs> in the state of Alabama, which is where I'm from. So I feel really proud of um of the you know, the the person I create with and he's he's just like a brilliant trauma therapist and psychedelic therapist and just a very creative soul and we work very well together. So it's really nice to support that, um, in Alabama, but then it allows us to legally work with psychedelics, um, and make it accessible here in the South and the Bible Belt. Um, but for the purpose of healing trauma, um, that's really a a great thing. I enjoy being a part of.
0: Can people (laughs) go to this church like how do you
1: we have a psychedelic studio um in in alabama and it's not like it's a sunday Mm. when you think about church yeah it's um we we are legally operating church and protected by the religious freedom act um these are spiritual practices using psychedelics that go back generations in indigenous cultures
0: that's what allows you to legally do the psychedelics. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah,
1: so we're we're a legally operating church. Um so we do have a, a studio where where we sit with clients or I guess church members in that yeah. respect. Um but yeah, it's a spiritual practice that's open to all denominations. So it's it's not it's, we have every from all walks of life that have participated Christians included
0: and all like experiences with psychedelics, right? Mm-hmm. Like never before, never before what? Taken psychedelics. Oh, we have people that, that haven't. Yeah. So mm-hmm. how would someone, cause I'm, I'm, I know that people listening are going to be like <laughs> I'm, I'm freaking interested dog. <laughs> <laughs> so someone listening, how mm-hmm. would they <clears throat> get into going to that church? Um, you would reach out to us and we
1: would be able to, there's a, so we've had to really work to find the intersection of because our goal is to safely offer this because psychedelics have been underground for a very long time um, and a lot of harm can happen. We've heard, you know, major podcasts, um, you know, show stories and tell stories around the harm that can happen when this isn't done um, in a safe mm. way. And so that's been our goal is to always be above ground, legally talking about this stuff um and and so that people can so it's palatable but we've had to find the intersection of not trying to mimic an authentic indigenous experience because we're white people and we can't do that um but to be able to safely offer it for healing and so you have to figure out how that like merges together um in a safe way um so when people reach out to us we do screenings okay um we have, you know, medical doctors that will help if anyone has questions around that because we can't play that role. Um, we're not in those roles as therapists. Um, we're facilitators and members of church with along with them. We have guest shamans that come and travel in that do, you know, weekend retreats, just wow. like regular churches have retreats. Um, so we, we do different kinds of things. Yeah.
0: And what is it called?
1: The Church of the Divine Connection.
0: Let's go. Ooh. And people can search that online.
1: Um, actually, we don't have
0: a website or anything. <laughs> no, like, you're but, like just just find us. Um, <laughs> well, with your Well,
1: he's on. So it's there's. Um, his name is Kenton Bartlett. Okay. And so Kenton Bartlett Counseling is on Facebook. He posts about all the psychedelic stuff. Um, and so that's you can you can look and see all this a lot of stuff around that and how okay. to reach out. He's he posts very openly about that the a news team came when he first posted online about doing psychedelics um and came and toured the the, the studio and stuff like that. So. Wow. But yeah.
0: What a story yeah. you have. Do you, like <laughs> do you sometimes just be like, "Whoa, I'm here now." I'm like Mhm into psychedelics and stuff from being like, taking my Bible to save my parents' marriage.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. The other day I was getting ready to go to work and I was like, I'm about to go do psychedelics with somebody. I mean, I wasn't going to be doing them myself, but I was like, I'm about to go sit with someone while they do psychedelics. I was like, I have a really fucking cool job. Yeah, you do. And the, Yeah. So I feel you're very, great at it. Yeah. That's part of my good mood. I think, <laughs> um, it's fun to, yeah, it doesn't feel like work. Mm. my dad always said that he's like if you love what you do you'll never work a day in your life and yeah i'm living that one out
0: (laughs) oh yeah i love and i want to clarify like when i said like oh taking your bible i want to just say like i feel like there's connections in there too i don't Mm -hmm. ever want to be like oh christians are separate i feel like there's a lot of you know i just want to make that clear yeah um i agree but i love what you what your dad says because i really encourage everybody i mean what you're doing is like healing humanity Mm. you know and that's like so on such a i think i'm helping humanity heal themselves (laughs) (laughs) i don't like being called a
1: healer i'm my own healer but everybody is their own healer so
0: (laughs) i'm gonna squeeze you that is really great Oh, thank that's you. so nice thank you. um thank you for sharing all of that yeah thank you you're inspiring and wonderful um what can you two things mm-hmm. no three things mm-hmm. okay three <laughs> things what okay <laughs> it's like damn it <laughs> <laughs> um we'll take them one more time okay first what are your like some goals with your with therapy and
1: goals uh, yeah Good question. Um, I am currently trying to get, well, I have, I'm going to start offering groups. I do ketamine um, as a therapist right now, because that's the only legal thing. So the other stuff is through the church to make so that it is legal there. Um, But with clients through my therapy practice, I work with ketamine. Um, It's individual, but I really want to make this affordable and accessible to people. So I am starting um, group ketamine. So it's basically the members, it's, it becomes a closed group. So I'm creating connection. Healing happens in connection. Um, but they're able to split the cost versus being each person charged for my time. They get to split it. And I'm still, there's just ways to make it accessible without lowering, you know, what you need to, to pay your bills. And so, um, so doing groups. And then I would love to, I, I, I thrive in group settings. Um, so retreats, um, like weekend or day retreats where people can come and really dig into their stuff. Um, and just feel like they have, I'm just like a, I've heard it called a doula before. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Just to help people like become the best versions of (laughs) themselves.
0: I love that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but I like group work and I love connecting and creating sacred spaces, um, and helping other therapists learn. So I, I really want to, as I grow, be able to bring people in that are wanting to come up. Because I would have loved that when I was, you know, um, starting out. So,
0: yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing is, mm. what's something that you do for yourself that you love? That's just like your me thing.
1: Mm. A lot of things. But I meditation is the first thing that comes up. Getting quiet and still with myself. Um, I like I like spending time with myself. Mm. Haven't always been able to say that. Um, and meditation for me feels like I'm just a way to connect to myself and, and know know myself. Yeah. I used to always be external um, for validation, for answers, for everything, and it's all in here. Mm. So that meditation is a practice that I, I don't think I could do without.
0: Do you do it? How often do you do it a day? Um
1: a very like a, a directed sit down uh-huh. is once a day. Nice. Um, but I, you kind of meditate all the time yes. doing things. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh,
0: That's a good question. And then <clears throat> the third thing is I want you to tell everybody about your personal socials and your, the trauma therapy of Nashville, mm. uh, mm-hmm. because I am a big fan. <laughs> uh, I just started seeing a therapist that's that works for you and mm-hmm. you, and it's awesome. So I want everybody to yeah. know about the Thank socials. You. Yeah. yeah,
1: It's Trauma Therapy in Nashville everywhere. Um, you can do social media. Guys, come find me on Trauma Therapy Nashville, wherever you go to social media stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're on Instagram, <laughs> Trauma Therapy of Nashville on Instagram, Facebook, mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah, mainly. <laughs> I'm not good at social media. So Instagram is going to be where okay. I push things out from or my website, um, but yeah, perfect. Mm-hmm. Again, is, I have a, it's, I have a group practice. I might be helpful to say that. So I have about five therapists and intern that work for me. Um, That I'm, I'm not really a primary therapist for anybody anymore. I'm more of a tool for therapists to use with their clients oh, for, wow. to dig into trauma. Um, so normally you have a therapist if you're coming to work with me for some very specific stuff. Um, and so, um, my, the therapists, they do more of the the typical weekly, you know, bi-monthly sessions with clients. So, um and I a, a supervised therapist getting licensed. So that's my version of teaching. So that's awesome. Yeah. Come get you connected.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Thank you, Melanie. Thank you. I love you. That was
0: fun. I love you too. Mm-hmm.
1: Thanks for listening to I'm Fine, It's Fine podcast. I am trauma therapist, Melanie Reese, and you can find me across all platforms at Trauma Therapy Nashville.
0: My name is Amber Autry. I am a comedian here in Nashville and internationally touring. You can find me on all platforms at Amber Autry Comedy. And while you're at it, make sure you're liking, subscribing, sharing, rating, reviewing this podcast. I know that sounds like a lot, but it helps so much. And we're, we're having a good time. Mm-hmm. We're healing. Mm-hmm. It feels good. Mm-hmm. So just like, just a little extra sauce, sharing it with a friend, rate and review it. It really helps and we appreciate it. Yeah. And if you have
1: a topic or um, conversation that you want to hear us talk about or a story you'd like to share on your own, shoot us an email at I'mFineSometimes at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening.